Hello, and welcome to another Shakespeare and Company podcast with me, Adam Biles. We've got something really special for you today. A couple of weeks ago, I was joined in the reading library by two dear friends of the bookshop, poets Kartika Nair and Marilyn Hacker. As a means not only to get through confinement, but also to meet it face on, Marilyn and Kartika began writing Renga, a collaborative form of Japanese poetry, to each other, building up a beautiful and compelling body of work that engages with both the micro and the macro of this unprecedented moment. This meeting was the first time that these close friends had been in the same room as each other for several months, and their readings ring with the sorrow of separation, but also the joy of rediscovery. I think you'll agree that the result is quite beautiful. For regular listeners to this podcast, as well as admirers of poetry everywhere, Kartika and Marilyn will need little introduction. But, nevertheless, you can find full biographies from both of them in the show notes. You can also find their books in our shop and online store, including Kartika's Until the Lions, recently published in a beautiful US edition by Archipelago Books, and Marilyn's extraordinary Blazons, New and Selected Poems, 2000 to 2018. While you're on our site, www.shakespeareandcompany.com, why not browse our book boxes and gifts, which we ship from Paris to wherever you are in the world. One final thing before I hand you over to our poets. The music you'll hear during the recording was drifting in from our piano room. We considered asking the unknown musician to pause while we recorded, but they were so skilled and the atmosphere they created by their playing was so magical that we decided to put our trust in the mixing desk of synchronicity. It didn't disappoint. I'd like to thank that musician, whoever they might have been. I'll be back at the end, but now sit back, close your eyes and drink in the poetry of Kartika Nair and Marilyn Hacker. Uh, Well, uh, Kartika and I were uh, sending emails back and forth uh, to to and from each other, from the troisième arrondissement to the dixième arrondissement, which uh, normally uh, is a leisurely 40-minute walk, and uh, suddenly began to seem as if, like every every place else and every place else, we were in two different countries. Uh, And um, I suggested in one of those emails, uh, what do you think about writing a Renga sequence? And uh, the um, uh, Renga being a, a form of uh, Japanese syllabic poetry uh, that is uh, usually done in group or in, in concert, where one person uh, writes one section. Uh, it's usually a uh, three line, two line, three line, two line with a, with a syllable count. Uh, and then the second person picks up a word or an idea in the last line of uh, the poem that uh, her or his uh, partner uh, partners uh, uh, sent um, sent to them and uh, writes one that starts uh, that starts with that. Uh, usually, the or often, uh, this was done in a rather party atmosphere with the, with all the people involved being in the same room and passing papers around. Uh, or, or scrolls around uh, 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 to each other, going around the room. Uh, but uh, in this uh, in this case, it was going to have to be done at a distance, and email was going to take the place of uh, papers. Um, but. Uh, 
it seemed um, it se it seemed like an appropriate idea for uh, uh, for for the situation and uh, something that we might both enjoy doing, and Kartika said yes. Uh, I'd only add that uh, there sometimes there are length variations both traditionally in the Japanese renga and in ours where instead of in um, instead of it being uh, ten lines there's an extra five lines an extra three and two added. Uh, which would explain that why some of these might sound a bit longer than than the than most of them. So yes, there are always multiples of five lines, yes. with um, syllabic counts of five seven five seven seven, and we varied between ten lines and fifteen lines yes. generally. And it started on the 29th of March. It started on the 29th of March and uh, has been going on until, uh, well, it's my, it's, my, it, it's my turn to do the next one. And Kartika sent me hers, uh, I forget whether it was this morning or last Yesterday, night. Yesterday, yes. <laughs> well, shortly after midnight, so I think it qualifies <laughs> as today. <laughs> March 29th, Crocus, Primroses, in lockdown, Squat Leopoldashield, the plague spring. Rana sent me a photo of police on Hamra Street enforcing curfew. The boy I watched on the roof of the refugee squat was locked down already, daily, among washing lines. March 30th. Daily lines burgeon on Louis Blanc pavements, each sprout five feet from the next. Human unblossoms outside baker, butcher, grocer's doors. One out for one in, gloved, masked, sanitized, before and after each yield. The pigeons strutting the same sidewalks heed no distancing. March 30th. Distance between us, she wrote long ago, and then made it permanent. Charpentier vêpre à la Vierge while I'm doing the dishes on the comforting old squat black CD player. For a moment, there's connection, if only with that perplexed self desiring. March 31st, that desire for self to be more, more than terra firma for virus settlements, begets new creeds. Parisians grunt and wheeze praise to Lord Jogging, while roaming forlorn as our streets. Romans hymn and drum volare from balconies. Jack Bernard downs Yes, thousand, thousand minutes of bones. Libation for eyes and wit to fair agent Booth. The right mantra for Lokluck spurs my quest across the net. April 1st. Across the street, a girl stands lengthily at the window, smoking and looking at empty sidewalks. 
sun-soaked on April 1st. I wished the tourists would disappear. Now they're gone. Watch what you wish for. In Purda, in quarantine, I dice one more aubergine. April 3rd, aubergine, one small, braised, buttered, basil and beef fried in any form. The thought invades August noons, leaves sharp pug marks on my dreams these still wintry nights. Preschoolers play COVID age tag in our courtyard, not more than two at a time, and catch with an outflung glove. April 3rd, we drove out to the place they called Carantina, where crews of ships from Europe once waited 40 days to be declared plague-free. Desolate still, but in a lonely high-rise in a vast gallery, the 90-year-old painter's new gouaches, texts, tapestries. Afterwards, a huge Armenian lunch in Burj Hamoud with my two young friends, nobody knowing quarantine was just starting. April 4th, Bedlam just started here. End rights from New Delhi's migrant worker camps. How will they lock down millions who have neither doors nor roof? Millions who must walk many moons to reach a home to self-isolate. Prime Minister Modi bids his nation to light candles. President Macron, meanwhile, warned us off face masks unless really ill. Spring, the dearth in my two lands of roses for all the graves. Rose garden hidden in the square du, du Grand Veneur, it's starting to bud, but the gates are locked. Only kids from the logements sociaux in the enclosure peer through the grates in strange, bright April sunlight. Here's a petition against euthanizing the sick old. April 6th. Sick and old. For Laure and Serge, teens from Block D, I now tick both boxes. L, four-inch heels keen across cobblestones, rushes to hold open all our doors. Their mum, though, no longer hails me with nod and smile. Chemo-shorn, brow-less beings in masks could spell one more germ. April 6th. One more spell, one more incantation. It's only the art of the fugue, or Hildegard of Bingen, or Alice Coltrane. Music calms anxiety. Abida Parveen sings a Hafiz Hazel, cross-legged, eloquent hands. I pick out a word or two. April 9th. Two words now for me. Hamde Kenge. We shall see. 
Iqbal Bano soars skyward on Fez's refrain, and something steelier than hope lights the heart once again. Heart that fluttered last evening, stole a few instants. A frog in the throat these days hearkens to beasts less winsome. April 10th. Ego, clawing beast, with or without our selfhood, beasts try to survive. As does each isolate I, newly dispensable or in the equation, lock up these, those forever, then open the doors. I open late windows on unnatural bright April. April 13th, bright as this April, Isa flushed after cycling from Pantin, risking dour fines we none can afford, brings me dorayaki, homemade, with sweet red beans crushed and flour ground by Nico, who'd foraged for weeks. Balm for my bile-deluged gut, swaddling for sleep-deprived dreams. Wajdi Muad writes to his infant unknowing son, Quoi dire de plus urgent que l'amour? Sometimes, pancakes will do just as well. April 14th. Pancakes, not huitre. Phone calls, texts, instead of wine-flavored exchanges in the public privacy of a cafe. Sautéed snow peas, shallots, chicken, wine anyway, but for one. Yesterday's bread, a departing moon above roof dormers, now my horizon. April 15th, my horizon each week, the poppy printed teal hair cap of Nurse Rose hand-stitched the florets for cheer as she disinfects, secures in the martial cant so dear to our president, my portiquette sight. She, of calm hands and raptor gaze, snags any truant wane. That's all of the first section, and now we move down two months, I think. Yes. <laughs> June 5th. Borders were porous with the right passports, or a titre de séjour. Danes can go to Norway now, but Swedes can't. When Suad got her French passport, we drank champagne. She can't see her sister in Stockholm. She's job hunting in Toulouse, going masked to interviews. June 8th, unmasked interview on Crowdcast. Isle of brief joy, its sole borders, those carved by broadband access, land with no COVID contagion. When Mira and I speak at the US launch of her book, When I Hit You, speak of worse fiction, cast killings, murderous husbands, and more, speak across Boston, London, and Paris with gracious Shuchi, host from Brookline Booksmith, 
to readers unseen round the world. June 10th. From around the world, Lebanese expats are flown back to Alwatan, Moscow, Rio, Montreal, Paris, bringing the virus to their homecomings. In the Beirut or the Beka, numbers leap. Katya wrote to me a month ago, our epidemic's over. I know she follows the news. Cafes reopened anyway and creches. As for the money changers, were their counters ever closed? June 12th. Close encounters, let's call them, of the fifth or sixth kind. In Bareilly, returnee migrants get soused with liquid bleach. Yes, the kind bottled with danger to eyes and skin. As cure by the state, no less. While Delhi shuts hospital doors on its non-residents. June 13th. Resident of a city, body, state of mind, I shrug off under shadows and sun on the Quai Saint-Bernard. A yoga class salutes the river. A portly couple tangos to their own cassette. I walk without a mask as far as the Jardin des Plantes. June 15th. Assemblage, as far as the eye can feed. Litchi, melon, mint, mango, mocha, peach. Caught the soft bay and ice, glimmer and curtsy, preen, swirl in their trays to caroose with me, Isa and Nico, plotters of my first soft tea outside home and hospital. Lambent this dusk, like our blithe reunion at Bertillon, Ile Saint-Louis, still mecca for bon vivant, each palate worshipful in queue. June 21st. In a queue for bread outside the bakery on the boulevard, it's almost normal. An almost normal Sunday market with hand sanitizer dispensers at entrance points. Almost no distrust of the masked person next in line for cherries, shrimp, courgette, hummus, samosas. Which merchants have disappeared? Which shoppers I knew vaguely by sight won't I see again? It's chilly for June. June 27th. June now is the month of solstitial night, roses, and two presidents convinced that the grandeur of their nations, flanking from north and south the Atlantic, Resides in the statues of dead, all too fallible men, to be safeguarded far more than the breadth of today's denizens. Convinced naming evils of the past would be a crime. Mine christened it separatism. How frail must they find our lands? June 29th. Old, frail, nonetheless. I walked home from Montparnasse 
invulnerable for the moment, peek cowway against the drizzle. Almost midnight streets full of mostly local, mostly young drinkers and flaneurs, as if nothing had happened. I kept my mask on, except on the Pont-Sully, where there was no one, only reverberations of music on the quays, next Decameron, next clusters. July 4th. Clusters of color, rain of estival blossoms caper on Philippe's third floor balcony. They join us and a madcap even breeze to celebrate this, my first visit in many months. First touch of drink, organic, outside home and hospital since early March. This has been the Shakespeare and Company podcast with Kartika Nair, Marilyn Hacker and me, Adam Biles. If you'd like to see a video of some of these readings, keep an eye on the social media of the Bengaluru Poetry Festival, who will be publishing one in the coming days. We'll be back soon with another podcast, but until then, I'd like to thank Kartika and Marilyn for their reading, Alex Fryman for the intro and outro music available on his brilliant album, Play It Gentle, and of course, all of you for listening. The, uh, the music is a very nice background to this, by the way. I think it's sort of, there's something really synchronicitous about the way it's... It's very of, soothing as well. Yeah. And, and you're lucky because not all of the people who come and play are as gifted as this person. Yeah, really. oh, well, I, well I, I mean, if, if it were, you know, other things, uh, because that, um, <laughs> ask them is to it, stop. Is it, is it just... No, I don't. It's oh, just okay. people who come in and play. And oh. We replaced the piano about a year ago because the last one was just impossible to tune. Someone will come and tune it and then 30 seconds later it would be... I came in a year ago with um, one of our composers and, and he, he gave up in dismay. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> bring, bring him back next time. <laughs>